Welcome to Lester the Nightfly. Well, my friends, we've been hijacked, if you can possibly believe it. I made a gracious invitation to my own sister. Hey, bring a playlist. Let's do a show. Talk about your music. I could never have imagined that it would turn into a two and a half hour conversation, an elaborate playlist, enough material to fill not one Not two, but I'm pretty sure three and maybe four episodes of Lester the Nightfly. And I would throw them all on the cutting room floor if it wasn't such a great playlist and if it wasn't such a great conversation. So tonight we begin a series of three or maybe four episodes of Lester the Nightfly that feature my sister Heidi's playlist, her music, her sensibilities, her insights, Uh, her stories from her filmmaking. It turns out that she's made some pretty important movies along the way, and you get to hear a little bit about that and music as it's related to those films. So this is going to be a lot of fun for everybody. I'm sure about that. Well, without saying much more, let's get started. This is my conversation with my sister, Heidi Ewing. We did this in the Catskills in her home out there in the wild. It was totally fun, and I'm just really excited to share this with you. It's so fun to be on your show, PJ. I'm an avid listener. I love Lester the Nightfly. It's all true. And we grew up in the same house. So we grew up in a family that loved and appreciated music. Our father played the piano for our mother when she sang. She was an amateur opera singer. Our sister ended up going to musical theater school and ended up on Broadway. And you and I, you know, and the whole family always music was a way we communicated. And I think that's very common with other all families. But in our case, it was like, instead of helping with my homework, it's like, come here, you got to hear this song. And at that time it was vinyl. And, you know, we were always trying to sort of bring home new music. I'd have like a little grade school boyfriend who had a cool brother who introduced us to Skinny Puppy, etc. And we're always sort of like trying to one up each other as siblings with the best new sound. So that was something that was, you know, our language. song that paralyzes you because you are filled with euphoria. I look at this playlist 
as paralysis and euphoria, also a showstopper. You can call it whatever you want. But I have to say, for example, I was living in Los Angeles from 1994 to 1999, pursuing a film career. And remember that version of It's a Wonderful World by that amazing Hawaiian singer. I cannot pronounce his name. He's now deceased, unfortunately. Um, But I was driving down the 405 when I first heard the song and it was being played on KCRW. I think Chris Doritas was playing it. And I had to pull over. I pulled off the 405 freeway and I pulled into a mini mall or something because I couldn't drive anymore. I was paralyzed and maybe dangerous to other drivers because I was so overcome with emotion and appreciation for this ghostly, ghost-like, emotive voice, and maybe we should add him to the playlist, that I had to get, pull off the road. track on the playlist today for me um, resonates in that manner and they're all over the place and sometimes I think a, a song stops people in their tracks sometimes it's simply because they heard it at a very tender age and they were going through something their first love in their preteen years or their first depression uh, or their first argument with their mother or their first sexual experience and there are a lot of reasons why songs stop others in their tracks I don't know if all the tracks on this list will have the same effect on your listener, but I think at least they'll be able to identify and maybe make their own playlist afterwards of the songs that stop them in their tracks. Bob, our listener is named Bob, just just so you know, we, we do have one and he's awesome and he gives lots of comments all the time. No, um, I wanna say that that happened to me also. There I was coming back from my early job after MBA school, Leo Burnett, McDonald's, I'm in Chicagoland, on WXRT comes this song that I've never heard, Dreams by the Cranberries. 
the sound knocked me sideways. I'm in the parking spot in my car, one of those parking space moments or, you know, driveway moments like NPR used to talk about. And, And I turned the car back on and started driving around trying to find a record store to buy this thing.
this was one of your moments, right? For me, personally. And then we both had a moment because we were in Italy or I was in Italy or someone was out of the country and we both came back after a month or two and hey, look what I found. And it was about the Sundays and the record was reading, writing and arithmetic. And we both were so excited to say, here's where the story ends is this mind blowing song. different show-stopping songs or uh, uh, paralysis songs okay we have some overlap but there's plenty of overlap here yeah so okay let's get into this playlist without spending too much more time romancing our youth the first track that you brought to our attention is heaven or las vegas the cocteau twins the record heaven or las vegas it's 1990 
it's really my number one go-to for paralysis and uh, euphoria is what I, what I call the showstopper. You introduced me to this band when we were in high school, uh, and then I became the most ardent uh, fan of this band in the family, and this became sort of one of my... Uh, repeat songs I played over and over in college. The thing with the Cocteau Twins is that you don't understand a damn word they're saying. The lyrics, when you do understand them, they make very little sense. The Cocteau Twins is a, is a feeling. It's a voice. It's a woman yearning for something that she'll probably never at, at, attain, but yet the music isn't depressing somehow. This song's a bit of an anthem for me. Um, it has all the makings of that big, hopeful, yearning song um, with a tinge of sad it's very hard to understand the lyric one of the lyrics I do like though she says you're much more brighter than the sun is to me um, and you know you just have to hear this song and it just gets it worms its way into your bloodstream and for me uh, I, a month doesn't go by that I don't play this song did we settle ever are there real words I mean I, I know they say heaven or Las Vegas they say but much of it is just made up. It's like an own, their own language. Is this correct or, or no? I think that they used to have their made up language. I, I just looked up the lyrics to this song and apparently there are lyrics throughout. You can literally make out one of every five words. I feel like earlier in their albums they were just like humming and howling and moaning and I was okay with that too. Okay. Um, I will tell you that it was the Blue Bell Knoll record. I was in a restaurant on Main Street in Ann Arbor. Uh, it was late, we had been drinking the night before, fraternity party. I was at Michigan for two or three years at this point, and I heard it in the restaurant. It was a new record, and, and I was ding, 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 what is this, and I found that record. So it, for me, not having Las Vegas, but for me, the Blue Bell Knoll song and record was the beginning of my interest in this band. So it was a moment just like that out, out in public. Whenever you meet a Cocteau Twins fan, they're insanely devoted to the Cocteau Twins, which you cannot say about a lot uh, every band. There's something, if you know who the Cocteau Twins are, you're uh, extremely emotional about them. That is something I've learned over the years. They, they evoke something very emotional. 
Let's move on, Heidi. We've got another one, another truly jaw-dropping track, and, and I am 100% with you on this one. This is The Psychedelic Furs, The Ghost in You, Mirror Moves is the record. It's 1984. What's your story with this, with this song? This song, you feel like he's talking to you. You feel like he's the only one in the world that understands how you're feeling. It's that kind of song where you, you could listen to it in your bedroom, you could listen to it on headphones, and you felt somehow understood by this person. For me, it's, it's the ultimate love song. It's the song that you dream about uh, your crush while listening to. It's a very lovely, sweet, warm, welcoming voice. Uh, if you're a girl or a guy, it could, could be a sexy voice, I don't know, but it, it, it's, it's enveloping you in some fashion. And, and it's just from the very beginning, those beats, you're, you're wrapped in. This is, if, if I'm in a bar and this starts up and I don't know it, I think I'm gonna, wait, what is this? What's going on? I think it's got that power, in my opinion. I'm in the mood for you, for running away, the ghost in me, she don't fade. I mean, you know what also, I think it was one of the first bands that stopped trying to sing like Americans. There was a whole wave of, of bands that came out and you could hear their actual accent while they sang. And something about that also, there was an authenticity to this band that I don't think I'd heard previously. Well, it's interesting. Your Cocteau twins are Scottish. We're still in the UK. This is a British group. So let me read just a, 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 a sentence that I found. The Psychedelic Furs are a British post-punk band founded in London in February 1977. Led by lead singer Richard Butler and his brother Tim Butler on bass guitar, the Psychedelic Furs are one of the many acts spawned from the British post-punk scene. Huh. Interesting, isn't it? Very. Let's take a listen. This is The Ghost in You here on Lester the Nightfly. Sorry! 
to Scotland, Heidi. Really? Yeah. Roddy Frame, right? Aztec Camera. Live in Osaka, in this case, you chose the live recording of Mattress of Wire, which, by the way, is not their biggest hit. Uh, it is arresting and has those qualities, I know, but it is not their biggest song, as it turns out. And this was also, I found out, not ever on an album. This was just a single. They, and they had a, a side B, and then they had their big song, which was Oblivious. From the mountaintops, out to the sunny street, a Roddy Frame, this guy, he started Aztec Camera. They lasted for many years, 20, 25 years. He was the only member that stayed with it all the way through. There were 20, 30 different players in Aztec Camera over that time, but he was the one piece of continuity. Uh, here you go. It's it's a Mattress of Wire. How did this end up on your list, Heidi? What was that magazine we used to get as kids? We used to come in the mail and there would be, we ordered it and there was a 45 that would come it wasn't the face. Yeah. There was a magazine. Maybe it was quarterly. It was quarterly, and we bought them at record stores, and they were there was a big vinyl record in it, and it was a magazine the size of a record. I think this was on one of those mm-hmm. albums. I'm pretty sure that this live version was on one of those vinyls that came to our house because that's all, the only thing I can remember. Um, and this is a very stripped down song. What, what, what stops me in my tracks about this is Roddy Frame's voice. Um, it's raw, it's powerful, it's stripped down. You've got an acoustic guitar, you've got the imperfection of a live recording, and, and the lyric here is in, incredible. The, the days we, all that we lost. Um, there's something about it where this man has accepted some truism about being human, and he's gonna live with it. And by the end of the song, He's learned something that he didn't know before, and it was bitter, but he's going to move on. That's how this song feels to me. There's a nakedness. There's a a rawness uh, striking a nerve. It's real. It's human. It's truthful. I'm with you 100% on that. It's funny, you know, I never, until recently, never really went for the live recordings. Almost always. A couple exceptions. But um, I now am really appreciating live a lot more than I ever have. You know, I used to seek the perfection of the studio. One of the reasons I love house music is that it is utter perfection. It is built in a computer. It is digitized. It is absolutely pitch perfect, note perfect. But this isn't. This is. This goes back to a time when we were listening to a lot more raw live interpretations, not the perfect version of every song. Well, I think we're living in a moment where music is is highly produced and usually overproduced, and people we have to wonder if the vocals are actually the singer uh, herself, or you know, you've got the auto tune debate. It's just like what's even real anymore, and it's become it's a bit of a bummer. So when you go back and listen to these imperfections, and there's a flat note, and there's a, 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 a you know guitar note that's off and you can hear somebody coughing in the audience you know it really happened and I think in hindsight listening to some of these raw recordings these live recordings is kind of refreshing the song came out in 1981 so this is way back in high school for you I believe right 
Man, uh, it was way pre-high school for me. This was grade school for me. Unbelievable. Wow. Scotland, Roddy Frame, the song Mattress of Wire, here on Lester the Nightfly. You've had visions of on the windows, no sunlight there. Three stories high, and there are no stairs. It's anywhere that you alone. As a child, you had a ragged doll that used to follow you around. Made a mound on some sacred ground And never was it seen again And when you speak I still hear the fire Sheets it desire The diaries embossed With this that you've lost how can you sleep on a mattress of wire? How can you tie aspiring for sure to all that was pure? So say goodbye to all those nerdy wells, smiling religion and then my farewell Your magic doesn't need the failing spells of those who never understand And man is will find no place with those who have no saving grace And you I see the irony of anyone has no faith and when you speak I still hear the fire cheats his desire for diaries embossed the days that you've lost how can you sleep on a mattress of wire Oh, how can you tie Aspiring for sure To all that was pure Of that I am sure That was Roddy Frame, Aztec Camera, Mattress of Wire, Heidi. You really hit it out of the park with this next one, and that is because it's the police. What could be so arresting about the police? Uh, wrapped it around my finger, yeah, yeah, we all know it. No, but it was from their most successful record, period. 
This is from that record. I think back in the days of cassettes that this was considered a bonus. I don't think it was part of the original collection. I always remember this as being, oh, they tagged on this one extra song. And it was not one of the major hits from the biggest record from the police. I'm going to leave it there. What are we going to listen to? You know, it's really strange because a lot of people who are police fans don't know this song. They can't hum it along with you. It's one of those things that got lost in the ether. Now, again, this is a song that you, Juliet, our sister and, and, and myself, used to sing together and listen to in the summertime. And I think there is a theme here. We overlap a lot with this music, but also this was a lot of this music is from a time when we had hours and hours and days and days to listen and re-listen over and over and over again to music. And I think that that sort of made a, such an impact in me and it, as it does but there, what the what the reason that this song is so epic the the reason that this to me is it stops me in my tracks is because it's the most haunting story there's a narrative in this song there's a beginning there's a middle and an end and it's super haunting and it is based on a true story a novel that was written um i can't recall the title i got gotcha. you tell me i looked it up um, let me read. Yes. And then you continue. Okay. The lyrics of Tea in the Sahara were inspired by the Paul Bowles book uh, called The Sheltering Sky. The first section of the book is called Tea in the Sahara. In it, the character Port is told a story in which three sisters wait for a prince to join them for tea in the Sahara Desert. But the prince never returns. Sting, also known as Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner, Sting was a fan of the novel and based the lyrics of the song on the story. Wasn't he an English teacher at some point? He was yeah. an extremely well-read man who I think at some point was an English teacher. And the thing about mm -hmm. that is that a lot of his uh, songs, his best songs, have this um, literary mm -hmm. uh, yeah. through line. An intellectual, uh, poignant, uh, thinking man's rock and roll kind of thing. Heidi, you met him once. I did meet him once. I was at a rough cut screening of a movie and they moved, the filmmaker was trying to get Sting's permission to use uh, his song in the ending credits. And it was a fascinating evening. It was it was very tense because the filmmaker is a friend of mine and he really didn't want us to blow it or to give too much criticism to the movie. And I do remember... Uh, after two and a half hours of this epic, very intense movie, we all went around the room giving our comments and Sting and Trudy Styler was there too. And he said, I don't sing out of tempo and I don't clap out of tempo. And I'm out of tempo in this track and you've done something wrong in the edit and you have to go back and look at it. <laughs> that was the only note he gave. And of like it was like an epic, serious two and a half hour movie. And he was just like, am I out of sync there? Is my tempo off? He's like, no. So it was really amazing. And of course, that would be what he's most concerned about. But um, he really um, has that charisma, had that presence that you hear about. Larger than life, slightly intimidating, very imperious, not very fun, but, um, you know, maybe the most interesting person in the room. He is one of the greats. Absolutely. One of the greats. And, and his career continued past the... Police. Continues. Continues. He's doing amazing things with what? Shaggy? 
Yeah, he, a couple of years ago, don't make me wait. I mean, he just, he, he's like an um, insatiable man. He wants to record with everyone who's talented. He doesn't even have a genre. I mean, there's very few people you can say that about. He sort of intermingles among genres, among different kinds of artists. But I want to bring it back to Tea in the Sahara because I have to say, I, I didn't even hear the song very recently, but I, I, I always get chills when he says, as their eyes search the land, their cups still full of sand. It's a perfect lyric and the perfect end to a perfect song. You don't have songs like this very often. This is Tea in the Sahara. It's Sting, it's The Police, it's Heidi's magical selection here on Lester the Nightfly. As if our minds are deranged Please don't ask us why Beneath the sheltering sky We have this strange obsession You have the means in your possession Seeing the Sahara with you Seeing the Sahara with you Man agreed he would satisfy their need, so they danced for his pleasure with a joy you could not measure. They'd wait for him here, the same place every year, beneath the sheltering sky, across the desert he would fly. Seeing the Sahara with you Seeing the Sahara with you Seeing the Sahara with you Seeing the Sahara with you
I discovered Arthur Russell, who's a bit of a cult figure and has a huge, huge following, especially there's a big New York uh, the gay scene following of Arthur Russell. Um, and I'm embarrassed to say that I only uh, came across his music about four years ago. Uh, there's an incredible documentary called Wild Combination by Matt Wolf, who has become a very, very close friend of mine. He's actually my neighbor in New York City. There's a tragic end to Arthur Russell's story. He did die of AIDS, and I highly recommend the documentary film. This song, it is a long track. It asks a lot and a very little of the listener because at first it seems sort of like a trifle. Um, you know, there's a re- repetitive quality to it. The, the chorus goes on and on. And then he switches it up, kind of creates a completely different song in a different genre and brings you back. And then he starts to pull you in and he decides to tell you a story. And I think it's about a road trip that he's going to take with his lover. I imagine that's what he's doing. And it's about the transient nature of a relationship and the the necessity to get better mileage. It's about living for right now because there might not be a tomorrow. And that's how I feel when I listen to this song. I listened to this song a great deal while I was writing the screenplay for my film, I Carry You With Me. Uh, I had a playlist of music that helped put me in the mood of these two men, these two lovers that met in a small town in Mexico and decided to leave the country together. And something about the feeling of this song helped put me in their heads when I wrote their dialogue, for whatever that's worth. And I really hope that we create some new Arthur Russell fans today. That would be beautiful because you've done that to me. And it's no uh, fault of your own that you've discovered him later because this record was was recorded when he was alive, in his own home, on his own, never released. He died. Then, eight years later, this and a few other of his recordings, full records, were released. This is one of those terrifically sad stories of a man who died in obscurity, nearly broke, as it says, in the writings that I've read. Never appreciated. And now we're talking about him today. He inspired you in your film and the dialogue and the work that you were doing, grabbing the moment, living for now. It's it's heartbreaking, uh, this song. It, unless you, if you, if you don't know the story, it's the song, it's beautiful, it's stunning, it's lovely. When you start to understand more about this man, it takes on a, a really deep meaning. So thank you, A. I, I'm really excited that we can share something like this. This is That's Us, Wild Combination, from Arthur Russell. That's us, before we got there, last morning time, before we got there, that's morning time, before we got there, that's morning time. Before we got there I just wanna be Probably you are Hard as that can be It's never too hard It's hard love to see Love inside of me 
it's working out Seconds before I see the dark This time that I'm so going to take it to this time that I'm trying to be with. It's a big old world, but nothing in there. I can't wait to see you in another minute. It's a wild combination. Oh, 
from Iowa, whose work spanned a disparate range of styles, trained in contemporary experimental composition and Indian classical music. How cool is this? Hmm. Russell relocated to New York in the mid-1970s, where he became associated with the Lower Manhattan avant-garde community and eventually uh, embraced the city's disco scene. And he got AIDS. And he got He came to New York. And he got AIDS and he died in uh, 1992. So there he was in the mid 70s. And then by the 1992, he's gone. And now his legacy is really you know, finding its footing. It's incredible. So many talented um, men and women, but mostly men were snatched from us, from AIDS. And this is one that just sort of almost went off into obscurity. And we're, you know, and it's just, it's amazing that we're talking about him right now. You're right, because it's just like, it's one more reminder that art matters and it lives forever and it can keep touching you years and years after you're dead and gone when you had your first movie i was so impressed by the strangest thing and that was wow heidi's in the library of congress and that means something that means that into in quotes air quotes posterity Heidi's work will live on. And that was long ago, and that was your first of many, many movies and projects and things. But I was so impressed because it does. Yeah, art is the, it's a time capsule. Mm. It's a time capsule. And whatever, whatever, if the asteroid hits us, hopefully <laughs> the cloud will keep all of our, the great, the great art out there. But yeah, it is, um, there's something heartening about knowing that we, that you know, all won't be forgotten. So what did? get saved when the asteroid hits the earth. Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. That's right. Right? 
That's right. right? Phew, I can sleep well tonight. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you. Okay, fine. We're done. We're done. Our work is done here. Right? It's the gold record. The gold record that's sitting and has left the heliosphere and is off into space in between stars at, as of right now. I mean, it, and there's a record in the recordings of humanity. I'm really right today, right now, sitting in Catskill Mountains in upstate New York after the year that we've all had. You know what? I feel really relieved because, you know, mankind is fragile. So I'm glad that we're sending something into the void for, for the next species. I say that in, in fun, but in seriousness. I, it's kind of nice to know. I'm, I'm with you. For real. 40 years ago, whatever. Okay, moving on. The Smiths, Stretch Out in Wake, oh. Louder Than Bombs, 1987. Oh. I love this record. I would not have chosen this particular song because I loved so much about this record. And in the end, really, this was an American release of two previously released British Smiths vinyl. These, these, most of these songs had been released already under different names. So, I told you so. Pretty great stuff, right? That was part one of my conversation with Heidi Ewing. We will continue the conversation, the stories, and some unbelievably stunning, arresting, stop-in-your-tracks, paralysis kind of music next week on Lester the Nightfly. This has been a PJ DJ production.